This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There is more to the story than just postpartum depression. This podcast aims to share it all, from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to new parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm your host, perinatal mental health certified psychologist, Dr. Kat. Welcome to our first episode of 2022. It has been a wild ride the past couple of years. And frankly, sometimes I'm not even sure it's 2022. It's really hard to believe considering so much that we've all been dealing with collectively and individually. Having done this podcast for about five and a half years, I really wanted to bring in some new energy to the podcast. So we are now also offering video interviews. In addition to the way you all have been listening to the podcast for all of these years, now you can find us on YouTube and watch our conversations. Now, we've been posting our conversations on YouTube on the Mom and Mind channel for years, but it's been audio only. So I'm really excited for our first podcast episode of 2022 to be also available in video. And for this first episode, we have none other than Beth Warren. She's been with us for a couple of times on this podcast and always gives such great information. In our episode today, we are talking about understanding attachment and bonding. Some of you may know what that is, and for some of you, this might be new information. But what I can tell you is that you've probably heard about attachment and bonding when you've heard that people are supposed to love their babies as soon as they're born. Ideally, yes, that would be true. But spoiler alert, what we're going to talk about today is that that doesn't always happen. We are going to get into some details about why that might not happen, as well as give some tangible tips on how to foster connection to your baby. Our guest today, Beth Warren, is a psychotherapist in private practice in San Diego, California. She has had a passion for reproductive mental health and has worked in this field for over 20 years. She is certified in EMDR therapy and perinatal mental health, specializing in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, birth trauma, pregnancy loss, and infertility. She is a current member and previously served as the president of the board of Postpartum Health Alliance, a nonprofit organization in San Diego dedicated to promoting awareness of perinatal mental health. She is an EMDR consultant and facilitates trainings. And to round that all out, she has recently released the Pregnancy and Postpartum Mood Workbook, 
a guide to surviving your emotions when having a baby. She and her co-author, Beth Kriegerberger, have worked really hard to get this out into the world, and it is an amazing resource for new parents. So in our show notes for this episode today, Beth has graciously offered a list of resources for working on attachment. You'll be able to find those show notes wherever you listen to the podcast. You can expand on the episode and find those details there. If you'd like to get connected to Beth directly, you can find her at Bethany Warren LCSW on Instagram and her website. You're more than welcome to listen to us as you always have. And if you'd like to check out our chat, head on over to the Mom and Mind channel on YouTube. All right, let's get into it and meet Beth. Welcome, Beth. I'm so excited for you to be on with us again and sharing your infinite wisdom on all things perinatal mental health. But specifically for today, you're going to enlighten us on attachment and bonding and what that process looks like for new parents. So it would be great if you could start with just a like a fundamental understanding of what attachment and bonding is. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me back. You are just such a gem and I'm so grateful for your podcast and everything that you bring to new parents and and the community at large. I listen to your podcast all the time, by the way. I always feel like it's a little support group for us (laughs) in the professional community too. I always listen to it on my commute or when I'm getting ready in the morning and I'm always like, oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, just as an aside, I know that doesn't answer your question, but I'm glad to be here. Um, Thanks. So bonding in general, I always like to say to my clients and to new parents, it's, I like to think of bonding as a verb. It's not a one-time event. It is not necessarily as you have your baby, a one-time event, and then it's over. Bonding unfolds with time. Your connection with your child unfolds in the doing of the activities together, the caretaking, the caregiving with your baby. And it it truly is a verb in terms of the idea of it being an action. Uh, The more that you do with your baby, the more that you connect and caretake for your baby, the more that you will feel connected and attached and, and that warmth will happen over time. It's actually really common for parents to not feel that instantaneous ooey gooey ah mm-hmm. at, mm-hmm. at the very moment of meeting their baby, whether right. by birth or by adoption or birth by surrogate, for example. And I don't think that gets talked enough about. And so I think a lot sure. of times parents who don't feel that initial like ah will then feel a great sense of shame or mm-hmm. that sense of oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? I must be a defective parent or I must be a bad parent. But that's why I'm glad that we're talking about it here because it comes up so much in our practices. It really does. I mean, it's it's a constant conversation in many ways. And people do feel a lot of shame about it and embarrassment. And I think maybe that's why the kind of myth has persisted for so long is that you know people, unless you're having the, that, feeling the narrative that's been pushed for so long. Why would you feel comfortable to say it out loud? Yes. It's, it's really tough. And I know you're going to help us understand some intricacies of like, of, of people's own attachment histories and own uh, history of connection with their caregivers, which does play a role sometimes in, in this process. 
So oh yeah, gosh. we're going to yeah. get into so much good stuff. I yes. <laughs> yes. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess we sort of nerd out on it Yeah, in the profession because it's so important. Yeah. This stuff is so important. Um, so can you give a little bit of, again, for let's say somebody who's like brand new to the idea of attachment or bonding, um, what are some fundamentals, you know, if you were trying to explain to somebody what attachment is or what bonding is? Yeah. So some of it is a feeling, that subjective feeling of feeling a warmth or connection with your child. And some of it truly is that protectiveness, that sense of, I will protect you. I will take care of you. I will, you know, ride or die for you. (laughs) It's not a very political term. And then some of it is just that sense of showing up for your child and logging through the, the doing, the activities. And that's where I always gently like to point out to new parents who are struggling with the feeling, the subjective nature of bonding, of saying like, yeah, but I just don't feel anything yet to be able to gently point out to them and look at what you are doing. The subjective nature will come with time look at what you are doing in the meantime. You're doing a great job feeding your baby. You're doing a great job, you know, taking care of his or her basic needs. And then some, you are completely protective of your child and ensuring his or her well-being, and, and pointing out these tangible things so that then as that those activities continue over and over time, that subjective warmth feeling will grow. So that that is the the nature of a bond or attachment with a child is that sense of you are mine and I am yours. And that unfolds with time. That is not always that instant connection. And I think social media and oftentimes baby announcements, et cetera, that's often what we see is this joyous elation that some people truly do feel. And it's awesome when some people feel that and not all do. There are some reasons why you might not. You referenced a really important one. Some people with attachment wounds of their own, meaning if you have maybe not had modeling of loving, secure attachment, this may be a new path that you're forging, parenting differently or experiencing this in a new way. Or maybe if you're struggling with your own mental well-being, if you are in the depths of depression, for example, or if you're really struggling with the noise of anxiety, yeah. uh, that might be really disruptive to forging this attachment. Also, traumatic births are a biggie for, sure. for delaying this bonding feeling, especially for parents who at the time of birth maybe had an emergent um intervention. And so they weren't able to be with their baby initially, or Mm -hmm. if they weren't conscious and aware, like if there was anesthesia involved, or again, an emergency intervention where they were not conscious and aware of their own delivery process, those things can also delay the bonding. So these things aren't always talked about, but I'm grateful to this space that we can talk about it. Yeah, thank you uh, for, I mean, those are such uh, great examples. And what might not be common to everyone listening, we as therapists hear all the full range of ways that uh, this attachment and bonding gets uh, delayed or disrupted. And to what you were speaking about earlier, sometimes 
people don't even fully understand the depth of their own history and how that is playing a role, you know, they just feel bad about themselves or the the shame there. This podcast is supported by Posh Peanut. Raising a family can be tough, as we know, and it can also be amazing and beautiful. Posh Peanut gets it, which is why they make beautiful, soft clothing that is tough enough to withstand all of the rough and tumble of childhood, and they have sizing for parents as well. You could even get matching clothing for the whole family. Made from viscose from bamboo, the clothes stretch with your kid as they grow and are four times stretchier than cotton. These clothes are made to last, loved by parents and approved by kids. Posh Peanut makes thoughtfully crafted, beautiful and stylish clothing for kids and families designed in-house from beautiful florals to your favorite brands such as Hot Wheels, Disney, Hello Kitty and Barbie. It's also breathable and chemical-free, which means they're delicate on sensitive skin. So I got my Posh Peanut loungewear, and I've been putting it on, especially after my long client days, because I need the instant comfort and relaxation. It's one of the ways that I do my self-care, because the soft, stretchy fabric of the Posh Peanut loungewear is really comforting to me. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code MIND. Go to poshpeanut.com slash mind and use promo code mind for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com slash mind, promo code mind. This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Would it be possible for you to give an example of what or how a a disruption in attachment in someone's childhood might play out or might be affecting them after or during the birth of their own child? Oh gosh, yes. So you may have had a temperament mismatch with your own parents or caregivers, meaning that they may have done their very best to raise you. And yet you may not have gotten what you needed, meaning maybe you didn't get the the words of love and care and affirmation that you needed, or maybe you didn't get the safety and security or the warm touch and connection that you needed, or maybe you didn't even know that you were loved and cared for. Sometimes people will be raised in families, for example, where love is shown more in terms of, you know, providing resources Mm -hmm. and providing, you know, I buy your textbooks for you and I provide meals on the table, but there is not necessarily words of like, I am proud of you. I love you. You are Mm -hmm. worthy. You are lovable, those kinds of things. So there may be, have been a temperament mismatch between you and your 
your parents Mm -hmm. that you didn't get your needs met all the way down the spectrum to there may have been full neglect or abuse. Mm -hmm. So in other words, you may not have gotten a role modeling of loving, secure attachment with your own parents or caregivers. And now as a parent yourself, you may be parenting differently or wanting to parent differently. Mm -hmm. And it starts I mean, gosh, day one, or it really actually starts earlier than that, right? Like as <laughs> right. you're thinking about parenting and dreaming about becoming a parent and as you're working towards conception and um, as you're pregnant and as you're really dreaming about what it's going to be like to have this baby mm-hmm. or as you're going through fertility procedures, for example, right. or as you're going through the adoption process, So then when you actually have this baby, it's really, really natural to then have a lot of your own stuff from your family of origin to -hmm. come back up. And sometimes for some parents, holy moly, it's like a Mack truck. It comes back up like quickly. And that can be really tough when it comes up at such a vulnerable time because Mm -hmm. you yourself may be recovering physically Mm -hmm. from birth, from a traumatic birth even, and have some complications that you're recovering from. You're trying now to feed your baby. You're doing your very best, maybe even to connect with your partner. If you do have a partner, your, your family around you, and maybe you're even the family around you are those same folks that you had that temperament mismatch with or that there was abuse or neglect. And that can make things even more complicated if they're stepping in as your quote support. If -hmm. your village Mm -hmm. is the same one that caused some of that wound, that can be that much more complex. For sure. It's that, and that's really difficult. I think what's hard too is, you know, we as therapists sitting in in the seat, uh, sort of helping someone through this, we might be making these connections for people for the very first time as to like why things feel difficult right now for them, or even that they're, they needed something different from their parents than what they gave them. Sometimes it's very clear that they didn't get what they needed or wanted from their parents. And there are other types of subtleties, which I find challenging in their own way. And that's if, let's say if a parent was an anxious parent and they raised their child, our client at that point in a sort of an anxious way, then, then our clients are growing up in anxiety and feeling that that's very normal. And then not, not kind of really seeing that like, oh, all those things that felt maybe even controlling or maybe like a helicopter type of situation, helicopter mom was them being anxious and them trying to protect you. And when the client sees themselves having those same behaviors or doing that with their children, it's like doubly overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you named that because that is not purposeful by any means. And there was a function to it and yet it had an impact. And so our client, this new parent may now be wanting to parent differently, connect differently. And yet they may sometimes be finding themselves slipping back into old habits, that idea of like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I opened my mouth and my mom's (laughs) words came right out or my dad's Uh words came right out and like, hey, Um, (laughs) and how, I mean, everybody experiences that, but how hard, especially that is when maybe there's things that you're wanting to repair from. The other thing that I think is really neat to explore with clients is the idea of culture and community. Mm -hmm. And so especially if clients are coming from first gen, second gen 
of families, for example, although any degree of acculturation, but, you know, just kind of noticing this was important to my family or my parents. And Mm -hmm. they raised me in this way because that was part of what was important to them and the community and culture that they were raised in. And, and I have maybe some different values and finding one foot in Mm -hmm. the past, one foot in in the present and and finding Mm -hmm. some of that internal conflict and tension now coming up as a new parent and being able to hold space with that exploration is really interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I can see how that would impact attachment and bonding. If you're, if you're the person who's trying to do something different than what your parents did, you're essentially learning in the process and learning on your own and not by example. Uh, And that, that can feel wonky and uncomfortable and awkward. And am I doing this right? And how am I going to know if this is okay? Even if it is something you want to do differently than, than what they did, Um, you know, to, to your point of, I'm thinking of some examples of some folks who decided that they didn't want to use cultural practices that they're a family of origin used. And how do you, how do you figure out as a new parent, how to connect with your child? when part of the connection from cultural uh, practices are included in that. Totally. It's, it's, oh, there's so much in there around how our experiences in life impact how we connect with our babies. Yes. Yeah. Everybody's just doing their best, right? And forging their own path. Mm -hmm. But there's so many subtle nuances to that. And a lot of guilt can come up. A lot of shame can come up, a lot mm-hmm. of feelings of responsibility, and frankly, sometimes a lot of grief can come up. Like you're saying, we sometimes are holding space with our clients as they're doing this exploration, and sometimes it's very obvious to them that they did mm-hmm. not get the nurturing, loving attachment that they needed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not so obvious, and they're wondering what a lot of this is internally for them, and and the exploration can be quite painful for them at a time that already Mm -hmm. is quite vulnerable. So it's really important work. An author that I love, Anne Lamott, has a quote that I think is so profound. And I'm I'm sorry, I'm going to paraphrase it. Sorry, Anne Lamott. It's something (laughs) about most important gift a woman can give herself is to heal her. No, the most important gift a woman can give her children is to heal herself. And again, that's totally paraphrasing, but I just think that is so rad. Like that is Mm -hmm. it, right? Is often doing our own work and exploring Mm -hmm. our own past and our own wounds really is that ability to then break those multi-generational patterns and find Mm -hmm. your own path, whatever that is. Like you said, kind of maybe even interweaving some of the past rituals and cultural values in now with your own Mm-hmm. or healing old wounds mm-hmm. while forging a new path, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah. There are so many ways to find healing in, in these ways. If, if your own history with your parents wasn't the attachment or bonding experience that you needed. Yeah. What would you say to folks who had, you know, who are having a different experience where they felt plenty attached and plenty connected with their parents or caregivers and they themselves are not feeling that connection to their new baby? Yeah, I think that's a great question because of course, not everybody has had that experience. Some people have had a great modeling of loving, secure attachment, but for some of the reasons we've mentioned, 
they themselves might be now really struggling to build that secure bond and talk about some of that grief and guilt that may be coming up. Like um, for the, the medical, uh, if, if they had a traumatic birth or there was medical interventions that they didn't expect. Yeah. Those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And perinatal mood and anxiety disorders are really at play oftentimes behind yeah. a delayed bond. And sometimes there may not be even an answer, but I just like to reassure parents this is something that we can keep working on. This is not mm-hmm. a one-time event. This is not like a window that you missed and now right. it's done. Like, oh, too bad. Mm-hmm. No, this is absolutely something that we can keep working on. There are tangible things that we can help mm-hmm. encourage you to do to keep working on with your baby. Like I was saying, it's a verb. It's an ongoing action. It folds in the doing. And mm-hmm. also I just do a lot of normalization, just that reassurance. You know, if my couch could talk, you would hear this from so <laughs> many parents. Although now that we're on virtual, I'm like, if my rolly chair could talk, my living room could talk. Um, that reassurance that this is so common, you are not mm-hmm. alone, even though you may be yeah. feeling alone, because maybe there's not a lot of representation on social media of what you're going through. Although I love it when people do share real stuff, yeah. this yeah, idea so that you can keep working on it. Yeah. Yeah. You can keep working on it. It's, I sometimes say to people, well, it's like meeting any new person. You don't know them yet. Yes. <laughs> you, you don't just love people right away um, yeah. in any, well, maybe there are sometimes, sure, like they'll, I'll leave room for that as an, ex- as an exception yeah. or as an experience, but more often than not, you're kind of having to feel each other out and like, but because it's this unique experience of, uh, you know, the parent being fully responsible mm-hmm. and in charge, it's, it's not a two-way road yet. And I've seen with and this is just anecdotal and a little bit clinical, but sometimes for people who have kind of more type A personalities who are people who get things done and who yes. um, are used to like being able to figure stuff out very quickly, this newborn stage tends to be a little bit harder because there's no feedback. And there's no like, well, yes. I don't know if I'm doing a good job or not because um, I'm not like this baby's just crying and, uh, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And this is one iteration of type A, not everybody is feeling these things. But so for people who are used to having some kind of feedback in their interactions with people, and now they're having a baby who just sort of like, quote unquote, cries at them all the time, it can Mm -hmm. feel hard to be connected to this thing that just like eats and poops and Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) cries and and what's there to connect to because they're not interacting with you yet. Yes. Oh my gosh, I love that you discussed that feedback loop because the feedback loop eventually becomes with that bond more and more positive. And you start with those wonderful mirror neurons, start Mm -hmm. getting more connection and attachment as your baby starts being able to like imitate you, you know, you do Mm -hmm. a tongue out and they do the tongue out Mm -hmm. or vice versa. Um, They smile, you smile, but oh my gosh, that does not happen initially. Initially, like you said, you know, you might be feeding your baby, still crying, change the diaper, still crying. (laughs) You know, you're like, like rocking back and forth Mm -hmm. and in their ear, still crying. And it's like, well, shoot, I am doing, those are all my tricks. I'm fresh out. And there is not this 
immediate, I did the thing and then here's the the reward or here's the natural mm-hmm. consequence that we typically get in life. And we certainly get more in our professional realm. I put in this much effort, I get this much out of it, or mm-hmm. I did a thing and then I got this level. Yeah, <laughs> you, right, you know? right. There is no like parenting leveling up, so to speak, in a <laughs> tangible way. Like I did this yeah. thing and, and mm-hmm. now I got something out of it. So I'm so grateful you mentioned that. Yeah. It was really challenging Although, at first. It is. It absolutely is because we, as adults and grownups, we're so far, unless you're around babies all the time, like new, yeah. new babies, we're used to the back and forth and the kind of tennis match of conversations. I serve, you serve, yeah. whatever, but yeah, it, it is so much harder when you're like, there's nothing you can grasp from them. Like, I don't know what you're thinking. Yeah. I, I don't really know how you're feeling. You have one mode two, maybe two, like for me to understand. <laughs> Like you were crying or, or not. And yeah, so that, that is incredibly hard in those initial months. I don't know, two, three months. Oh, maybe sooner than that for some, but for sure, it's like a lot of, uh, we got to get used to each other here. And so when you're helping people understand that, I like how you said it, those, the process of connecting is really is in, in a lot of ways, starting with the parent. I mean, certainly babies have their own way of connecting and communicating, but our role can be to, to like have those continued interactions until they're able to give them back to us too. Yes. What I like to encourage parents about is the idea of like, why does attachment matter? You know, why Mm -hmm. is it important to keep working on this is exactly that. Like you are so vital in helping your baby develop empathy, for example, those mirror Mm -hmm. neurons of learning how to imitate you and really helping your baby develop this cool, robust nervous system of learning how to regulate their emotions, Mm -hmm. learning how to calm their heartbeat down and their pulse rate and and learning how to just calm themselves and soothe themselves is all because of you and the interactions with you. And it is really tough at first when you don't differentiate their cries. You have no idea. What does that cry mean? I don't know, (laughs) but that's what the bond taking, that's the idea of bond growing up bond growing over time means is that slowly over time, you can start learning their language, so to speak. It's like, mm-hmm. you don't need an interpreter. You get them. You understand, oh, that's the hungry cry or, mm-hmm. oh, that's a dirty diaper cry. You don't understand that at first. You've just been given this little baby that is like, I don't know, like you said, two modes, maybe three. Um, right. Yeah. And eventually with more and more connection, more and more doing more and more practice, you're going to learn how to start differentiating. What does this look mean? What does that cry mean? Mm-hmm. And attuning to it, tending to it. And that helps your baby start learning soothing skills. Ah, when I'm upset, my caregiver shows up. When I'm mm-hmm. hungry, I get fed. Like I don't have to be distressed and live in distress mode. You know, that's this kind of attunement bonding thing that's mm-hmm. really important. Wow, for sure. That is really important. And it, you've said a number of times that, you know, those are things that we can help people learn how to do if it's not, you know, coming to them, learn and develop in a therapy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? 
This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. And going back to what you initially said too, uh, that sometimes parents don't even realize that they're already doing that and that they are creating a connection, even if it, even if it doesn't feel like the emotional connection that they're looking for. Yeah. I think that's such an important point. And if you don't mind, if we can spend a little bit of time, um, uh, just reiterating that, like what, what can happen in therapy around that? Yeah. So for people who are kind of going through the most, they, they might feel like they're going through the motions. Oh, I'm just, you know, feeding them. I'm just changing them. I'm whatever, but I don't feel that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How, how are you talking to people about that like, in therapy? Yeah. I think that's a great question. And that's some of my most favorite work to do. And by mm-hmm. the way, as an aside, I'm still doing virtual therapy, but hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, going to go back to the office sometime soon, working with this more vulnerable population. I have chosen to still stay virtual for, for sure. longer, but yeah. I miss babies. I miss <laughs> right. working with my clients in person so much. But what's cool is even virtually, we've been able to do this quite well. It's been a surprise for me not having been a virtual therapist before, but we can even do this kind of work because usually, of course, new parents are having their babies with them in session. And so this is such a cool question that you're asking, and I'm sure you're doing so much of this too. It's this idea of really pointing out in session what they're doing well, because you're right. Mm -hmm. So many times parents who aren't feeling that connection and bond and maybe are in this negative self-talk loop of like, I'm a bad parent. I'm doing everything poorly. Everyone else can do this better than I am. Mm -hmm. Or maybe even that heightened anxious state of like, no, but for real, everyone can do this better than I am. Like it, I don't feel safe or vice versa. Like I don't feel safe involving Mm -hmm. anyone else. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't like not utilizing their support because it's like, heck no, I'm not handing my baby off to anybody. 
COVID just made that infinitely worse. Sure did. Pointing out, do you see how your baby is looking at you as you're talking? Your baby loves your voice. He loves hearing you. He's been hearing you for all these months of your pregnancy. Notice how as you're talking, even though you might be struggling right now and what you're sharing with me, the content might be hard. He doesn't know. Mm -hmm. He's so happy just looking up at you. Notice how he keeps kind of with his little bobblehead because he doesn't have (laughs) a lot of strength yet. He's he keeps trying to like find your voice and he's looking up at you. So I'll point out things like that. And I might even kind of encourage like what might happen if you face him towards you? Or I just wonder if as you're talking to me, you actually might look at him. Let's Mm -hmm. just play with that. I'm just curious what might happen, you know, little. kind of subtle things to point out what they're doing well. And each week pointing out in a very authentic way, I don't make any of this stuff up, just kind of noticing what progress they're making in terms of like, oh my gosh, I notice how you just like picked your baby up so naturally. I think that is so cool how you're able to do that as we're talking without even thinking about it, you know, subtle, subtle little things. If if Mm -hmm. a parent is really struggling, thinking that they are not doing anything right, it's so great because we see a host of evidence to the contrary. For sure. It's really cool to just be able to point out um, what they are doing well. And a question I always love to ask parents is that idea of what would your baby thank you for today? Mm. Or what do you think your baby would be proud of you for today? Because that is oftentimes an inability. It's not just me externally telling them what they're doing well. It's like they get to think about it for a minute. Mm-hmm. That's really yeah. awesome. Oh, what a good question. I'm going to use it. <laughs> yeah, it oh, is. That is a, such a good one. I love that a reflection. And it also helps with like internalizing the process and being able to turn the attention on themselves and to notice what they're doing, which ultimately yeah. is like the the goal is to, to help. Not like you're going to walk around all the time, like, oh, I fed my baby today. And like, <laughs> <"Woo-hoo!"> <laughs> Although sometimes that's all you can do. And that's totally fine. Um, totally. But that inner voice really does get in the way. And if you can make that shift to be less harsh and to be able to see the positive, as opposed to just like where oftentimes people feel like they're feeling. Yeah. Um, it's so, so great. And yeah, you know, I find that the, if a parent is looking at their baby through the lens of their own depression or anxiety, it's so much harder to see what is going well and what they are doing well. I mean, depression lies, anxiety lies, and anxiety has such an interesting like effect that in, especially in those early days, if, if I I find that if somebody's super duper anxious, they will connect with their baby, but through the anxiety. So it's anxiety first. And then it feels like more like protection as opposed to just being able to hang out. Totally. And, and that is, that's a hard shift to come out of if that's yeah. how you are initially learning to connect and notice Yes, is through that anxiety. It's hard once anxiety subsides or you're learning other things. Sometimes the habits are still there. Um, yeah. That, that might not. Vigilance. Yeah. Oh, that's a rough one. That's yeah. so hard. I'm having my own, like remembering my own <laughs> postpartum. It's hard. Yeah. It is hard. 
It is super hard. And that's the stuff that we can point out in session. That's really neat. That idea of like, okay, so let's say baby's super fussy and mom is feeling really anxious and flustered that we can just help name it. That idea of, Mm -hmm. wow, I'm in such admiration of you right now. Notice Mm -hmm. how you were able to still just be real present with your baby and you were able to hold her and rock her and stay there for her. You're doing such a great job. Do you Mm -hmm. need anything from me? You know, Mm -hmm. just really like Mm -hmm. be there in the moment. We're not doing therapy right then. We're not going to be like, let's explore your childhood. You know, (laughs) it's more like, I'm right here for you. You're doing such a good job. This is Mm -hmm. hard right now. Mm -hmm. And her cry is loud, isn't it? Like, wow, you're doing such a good job. It's often stuff like that to keep pointing out, like, check you. This is Mm -hmm. really challenging right now. Mm -hmm. Or like, man, that was a huge blowout of diaper, wasn't it? Like, (laughs) And you did it like this is sometimes we just need that positive reinforcement as that antidote to the poison antidote to the poison that is that negative voice going on a hamster wheel all day. Oh, for sure. Especially if you're by yourself, you know, which Mm -hmm. a lot of postpartum folks are someone else has to go off to work or whatever. And it's just you tripping out on this new life and not knowing what to do, which is normal, by the way, to not know what to do. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. So for, for people who are listening right now, who are like, bing, 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 oh my gosh, this is me. And this is what I'm experiencing. What are some things that you suggest for people to do, whether in therapy or just folks listening to do to connect with their babies just yeah. while they're on their own? Yeah. I always like to start real simple with folks. And so for people listening who are about to hear me talk about these things and might go like, hello, this sounds super simple. (laughs) It's simple for a reason, because like I said, bonding starts with uh, unfolds with time with the doing. And so you may already be doing a lot of these things. And if so, good on you and keep it up. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times we will be able to forge stronger bonds just by learning how to keep these connections. So a great example, and one that is really, really important is talk to your baby. And so again, I know it sounds super basic, but it is really important. Talking to your baby helps their brain to grow and develop just like reading to your baby does. And the content doesn't matter, although it matters to you. And so when they're super little, what I might recommend is that you, if you're talking to your baby, that you talk to yourself. In other words, that you say things like, this is hard, I'm doing my best, Mm -hmm. or that you are trying to talk to them through, like, let's say the diaper change, like you are such a wiggle worm. And Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, aren't you cute? And just trying to connect and talk rather than silently be changing a diaper and when you're silent, then of course your own brain might be saying like, oh my gosh, you're so squirmy. I'm so frustrated. Why can't you stay still? Why is this so hard? Right. I can't do this. Right. Why, why does my partner be, why can my partner change these so much faster than I am? Like, oh my gosh, now you just pooed all over me. Like this sucks. I hate this so much. I hate parenthood. You know what yeah. I mean? But if yeah. you are kind of talking to your baby, talking to yourself, trying to keep like a cool, even tone, it's amazing how it can really, really help. Even if you're like, you just pooped on me. All right. That just <laughs> happened. Alrighty then. Right. This day just really, this is a really challenging day. <laughs> so um, talking to your baby is a really helpful way of 
continuing to keep that connection, looking into your baby's eyes as you're talking. It's amazing how they just love your voice. They have heard your voice throughout this entire pregnancy. Mm. And there's been such cool research about how they recognize parents' voices. It helps regulate their heart rate, regulate pulse. And so talking is one of the best things you can do. And then starting to add in different things. You can add in singing. You can add in looking at eyes and then kind of looking away as they start to look away, looking Mm -hmm. back once they kind of look at you again, looking away as they start to look away, starting to help them develop these mirror neurons and this imitation. Imitation, which is kind of neat, leads to the skill of empathy. They Mm -hmm. eventually learn empathy, the ability to feel other people's feelings and, and have that ability to read the room, so to speak, mm-hmm. with these kind of primitive skills initially. So talking is one of the best things you can do and reading to your baby. Yeah, that's so great. And, and I'm glad that you kind of called out that some people might sort of uh, minimize this a little bit because it is like relatively easy to do, you know, talk to your baby and whatnot. But for people who are anxious and depressed and so kind of preoccupied, it is hard to get out of your head and, and create sound. (laughs) And it could even feel silly, like, oh, you know, I'm just like naming things in the room to my kid. And um, that's weird and whatnot, but it's still super important. Um, It is. Yeah. I love that for a skill. And that's why I start with super basic is it's kind of like building blocks or foundational aspects. The other one that sounds maybe super simple, but you would be maybe not amazed, but I just want to normalize that for some parents, this is really hard and really challenging is to wear your baby or to practice that skin to skin touch where after uh, or during a a diaper change or after a bath that you kind of wrap them next to your skin and kind of hold them close or wearing your baby in a sling as you do, you know, whatever kind of chores around your house or as you take walks, Mm -hmm. it's amazing how that also helps promote that connection and bond as well. Not only does your baby love that closeness and that warmth and hearing your heart rate being right there, heartbeat, excuse me, being right there next to your chest, But then slowly over time, that really helps for you to promote that feeling. Remember, I was talking initially about that subjective feeling. You may not feel it initially, and that's okay. You may more feel like this is this cumbersome wrap or like, okay, here's my obligatory, (laughs) you know, sitting still for 15 minutes to do my skin to skin time as I rock in the chair, as I read my baby, and that's okay. It's practicing it over time. Mm -hmm. Just Mm -hmm. like you were saying, Kat, I love that example of if you're to meet a stranger, it may take time before you have that trust together, before you're maybe sharing more intimate things about you, before you're able to let your guard down and really Mm -hmm. like kick it. (laughs) I can now (laughs) hang out with you. Right. Same kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I love. Yeah. It it can be really hard. um, Just, just to figure out how to do the connection and bonding when it's, you know, you're exhausted and there's a million other things to do and laundry and all that stuff. But I really love this, like narrating, narrating your day um, is kind of always available. I mean, if baby's awake, I guess. 
Yeah. <laughs> you're not like, hey, baby, I'm trying to talk to you. Yes. Yeah, uh, What's that? Like, Rude. They're sleeping and let him sleep. <laughs> right. So yeah, narrating whatever, or even, you know, reading out loud is, is something that, that I like to suggest. It can be your own, whatever you are reading or want to be reading. It doesn't have to be a kid's book necessarily. Yeah. There, there are so many ways to connect and feel connected and introducing them new, new things like this is chapstick or (laughs) whatever. The sky is blue. Just basic, you know, sort of facts about your environment. Um, yes. Is also useful as well. Yeah. Just anything that is promoting that communication is, is part of it. I love that you said that, that idea of you may feel super silly at first. I mean, Mm -hmm. for sure. Cause it's new for you. Mm-hmm. And the more that you practice, the more that your baby's going to be connecting and giving you that positive feedback mm-hmm. as they become more and more attentive as their brain grows and grows. And it'll give you that positive reinforcement. And that's how bonding happens. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you're you're letting people know that this doesn't necessarily come quickly or easily. And I just think this is one of those really important myths about new parenthood that we just have to keep talking about and and smash it. So it just doesn't keep living like obviously great. If that is your experience, if you have that initial bond and, and that's awesome, but I think it goes a long way for us to acknowledge that people have a variety of experience. It's not just one thing. And it doesn't have to be just one thing. And that's also not a life sentence. It's, it's fluid, it's movable, it's changeable. I think you really helped deepen people's understanding of that today. I'm so glad because it's really, really common for parents to have this distorted belief. My baby doesn't like me. I'm a bad parent. And when the baby cries then to think, see, I'm failing. I can't do this. My baby hates me, that kind of thing. And so when we're, we're normalizing that this takes time and the bond, you know, that's forged unfolds over a period of time, but also in the doing, then we can also be really thoughtful about what kind of activities or practices can you do to help promote positive interactions? So for example, the parent that says like, my, my baby hates me. See, every time I hold him, he cries or whatever. So that Oh, it's so painful to see. And yet you can mm-hmm. see the helplessness that comes this feeling of I can't do it. And that yeah. it, there might be a tendency to then blame the baby mm-hmm. when actually babies can't have a preference. They don't have an ability to like or dislike people. It's more this development of their nervous system, their little tummies growing, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But this is where we would then be encouraging the parent to have positive, quiet time interventions. Maybe the other parent that might have a little bit more tolerance for the fussy time could, you mm-hmm. know, be the one that does primary parenting around fussy time. That parent uh, who's ha- having that distorted belief of like, see, baby hates me, could be the one that is practicing during quiet time, holding baby, doing right. the talking, doing that eye contact mm-hmm. that we're talking about, even if it's for five minutes and slowly building over time, or that that yeah. parent is the one that's practicing wearing the baby or the skin Mm -hmm. to skin so that we're 
slowly building the practice of positive interactions. You know, that would not be the parent that I would want to be practicing the like trying to soothe baby when baby's real upset at that 10 out of 10 kind of upset and fussy and hungry. Um, Certainly that parent is capable of it, but let's build in positive interactions first. Let's build in, you know, the like you did it, you're capable of it. I'm just so grateful that you brought that in. I've I heard that so many times that feeling like my baby hates me. Uh, oh yeah. It's heartbreaking. And um, so I'm, I'm really glad that you're specifically pointing that out and bringing in some ways to deal with it yeah. uh, as, as the parent. And I'm also hopeful side note, anyone who's listening to this, send this to partners also yes. uh, so that you can know that this is like, sometimes partners don't get it. Um, that, oh, well, what it's just a baby, like, no, they don't hate you or it'll be fine. Or in the, in they tend in, in an effort to try and, um, maybe soothe or tell, tell that maybe primary caregiver or whoever's having a hard time that things are okay. It ends up feeling very minimizing. Yes. And discounting. So I think this kind of a conversation is really important for if there is a partner or other family members who are helping out to understand that this is a a process and to not additionally, hopefully not additionally shame the person who's having a hard time. Yes. Yep. Totally. And why, (laughs) why parenting isn't a solo sport and support (laughs) is so needed because sometimes both parents will be Mm -hmm. in that negative distorted space of, I can't do this. I'm a bad parent. Baby Mm -hmm. hates me. Mm -hmm. Or both parents might be really struggling with their mental health Mm -hmm. or both parents might have experienced the traumatic birth in a very traumatizing way, or both parents might have history of their own family of origin attachment mm-hmm. wounds, etc. So yeah. <laughs> in other words, it's just good to notice that it, you know, it really does take the village concept. Mm-hmm. And this is where yeah. great support is needed for mm-hmm. all parents, whether yeah. it's, you know, professional support like us, mm-hmm. whether it's hired help like postpartum doulas, lactation yeah. consultants, physical therapists, et cetera, For it, sure. it, support groups. It, there's just, it's really important to have a good community around you of people that are helping. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also in your new book, which I have here, I love oh, it. Um, it you. feels really nice to the touch too. Um, Thank you. I don't really know why I'm does. so obsessed with it. I'm like, it feels soft. I don't know why I keep using that word. <laughs> I, it, I, it is, it is soft. Um, yeah. So in chapter six of this book, the pregnancy and postpartum mood workbook is a chapter on bonding and attachment. And it has some really great exercises for people to use if they're wanting, if they're thinking about this and wanting to explore a little bit more in their own time or in their own way, how they're connected or yeah, what's happening for them. So that is an, and a great resource for people to check out. Thank you. Yeah, we wanted to include an entire chapter about this just because it is not only so important, but also so common. It comes up in Beth's and my practices so much. My co-author, Beth, by the way, I don't talk about myself in the third person. (laughs) (laughs) It's so common. And and also, Uh like we were talking about today, it doesn't get talked about enough. And we really wanted parents to have tangible activities that they could do to work on to keep building that that bonding with their babies so 
Yeah. I love that chapter. That's actually one of my favorite chapters. Mm -hmm. I'm, well, I'm so glad you came on to, to really dive deep into it today with us. This is so important. And um, I just appreciate you so much and all of your wisdom and knowledge. And thank you for being with us. Oh my gosh. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Fantastic. As a reminder, please do check out the show notes so that you can see all of the resources that Beth has provided. Go check us out on our YouTube channel, Mom and Mind. And as always, please be sure to share this episode with any parent who you think could benefit from this information. It is absolutely crucial that we are sharing this. Too many parents go through pregnancy and postpartum not knowing that these types of situations are very real. And when we don't know that they're real, we often blame ourselves. So let's get rid of all of that. Make sure everyone has the information that they need so that we can all have the pregnancies and births and relationships with our babies that we want. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.